You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. It is Jesus speaking to us. Notice there in verse 15. Behold, I, Jesus, am coming as a thief. The idea here is when you least expect it. So folks, don't get all hung up in the entrapments of this present world. Because in a time when you least expect it, guess what? Jesus is going to show up. You want to make sure that you're ready. You want to make sure that you have oil in your lamps. Things in the world are pretty crazy right now. Chaos, discord, suffering, and violence are just about everywhere you look. And as Pastor Mike explains today, these are all signs pointing to the end days. Jesus encouraged his followers to be ready. You must seek to live your life in light of Jesus' imminent return. You must be ready and prepared for when Jesus returns for you, even when you least expect it. Live your life following in Jesus' example, desiring to bring others to heaven with you. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Revelation chapter 16 as he continues his message, The Bold Judgments. They did not repent, nor they did it give him glory. Okay, so here, the son is given power to scorch the wicked. And, and it seems like something is going on here. Something has happened to cause the depletion of the ozone layer. And it seems as if the ozone layer, there happens to be uh, some kind of something that's taken place that has opened up a hole that filters the sun rays uh, between the sun and the, the earth, and it opens a hole in the ozone layer. Now, I've heard a bunch of different suggestions as to how this may have come to pass, and many people agree that it was probably an effect of a supernova uh, which is a, a phenomenon, it's a stellar phenomenon, when a star suddenly increases greatly in brightness because of a catastrophic explosion that ejects most of its mass. And when that star explodes, the mass of that star somehow uh, cut a hole in the ozone uh, layer, and now the what would have filtered the rays of the sun is now in its full effect upon the earth. So that may be a possible, uh, plausible uh, 
you know, uh, explanation of what was going on here. But just imagine. Imagine this. Those who do not die because of this judgment will be made to suffer the more because of the bodily sores. I told you this wasn't one of those feel-good messages, okay? I warned you in advance, okay? They will have to suffer the more because of their bodily sores and the awful stench arising from the polluted seas, rivers, and lakes. I mean, it's unbearable, right? Or unbearable. And then in verses 10 and 11, let's go on. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, or the Antichrist. And his kingdom became full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues. They're biting their tongues because of the pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and uh, did not repent of their deeds. And so the concentration of God's wrath is now directed at the very source of the wickedness in the world, namely the seat or the throne of the Antichrist. He is the one whom the people on earth will be worshiping at this time but they will see their leader helpless in the face of the judgment of God. You know, this whole scene that's being played out here is quite different from what we've read in one of our previous studies in chapter 13 and verse 4, when the entire world wondered about the beast. Remember I had suggested in that study in chapter 13 that there was an assassination attempt upon his life, and he was actually killed, and he came back to life sort of uh, reminiscent of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that all of the earth wondered after the beast. And they all, with one voice, said, who is able to make war against him? Well, this is quite different now when you consider, right? They will see their leader helpless in the face of the judgment of God. And notice the plagues, the darkness is so excruciating, people bite their tongues from pain. But amazingly, more than anything else that we've just read, amazingly, what are we told there? They continue to blaspheme God. You'd think at this point, they would fall down and cry out to God for mercy. But such is not the case. Well, that, by the way, is the fifth bold judgment. Let's go on. Now, verses 12 through 14. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its waters was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits, demons, like frogs, coming out of the mouth of the dragon, who is the devil, out of the mouth of the beast, who is the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet that make up the trinity of hell. For they are spirits of demons, these frog-like creatures, performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Okay, so what's going on here? Well, the stage is being set for the battle of Armageddon. And by the way, we're going to get into that battle in chapter 19, verses 16 through 19, in one of our future studies. 
So here, verses 12 through 14, what we have, the paths that lead to the valley of Megiddo, and that's where this battle is going to be taking place, are being prepared. The Euphrates, which is a natural barrier between the eastern and western empires, is dried up to make way for the kings of the east. And notice, by these demons, they're drawn into this final conflict. And by the way, some background. The Euphrates River is 1,800 miles long uh, at certain different parts, 3 to 12 miles wide, 30 feet deep, that is east to west. So this is the sixth of the bull judgments. So great demonic activity will draw the nations towards Palestine for the purpose of an all-out global war. And when the nations converge on Jerusalem to fight against God, then Jesus will establish his absolute authority when he comes back a second time to rule over the earth. As the seventh bowl is poured out, followed by the visible return of Jesus Christ. But before we get to the seventh bowl judgment, we have what we've talked about before, a parenthetical warning. What is a parenthetical warning or a parenthetical chapter or a parenthetical text? It is a text or a chapter uh, that doesn't follow a chronological order. And here it actually serves up as a warning. And here it is Jesus speaking to us. Notice there in verse 15. Behold, I, Jesus, am coming as a thief. The idea here is when you least expect it. So, folks, don't get all hung up in the entrapments of this present world. Because in a time when you least expect it, guess what? Jesus is going to show up. You want to make sure that you're ready. You want to make sure that you have oil in your lamps. You don't want to be like the five foolish virgins in the parable that Jesus spoke you know, who weren't prepared, who weren't ready when the bridegroom came back for the, for the bride. So this is Jesus speaking to us. He says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. You know, a thief doesn't, you know, he always shows up when you least expect it. I mean, three o'clock in the morning, your phone rings. And uh, you get up out of bed in a stupor, and you pick up your phone or your smartphone or whatever, and uh, someone on the other end says, you know, I'm, I've been canvassing your uh, street these last couple of weeks, and uh, in about an hour I'm going to hit your home, so let's make it easy on yourself. Uh, you know, I don't want to you know, hurt any members of your family, so would you do me a favor, just leave your door open, get all of your valuables, and uh, put them by the entrance to your door, and I'll take them, and I won't bother anyone, and I'll close the, the door politely behind me when I leave. Hey, listen, if you got a phone call like that, what would you do? Man, you dial 911, you'd, you'd get your rocket launcher out from your closet, your shotgun, right? You'd be prepared when they showed up on your front door, right? Hey, listen, we need to be prepared. The thing about it is we see the signs of the times all around us. I mean, truly, gang, we are living in the last days. You know, I, I'll give you one of the things that I think you know, is even more you know, visible uh, than recently is all of the, the killings 
and the shootings that have taken place over this last month right here in New York City. You know, the Bible tells us that, you know, in the last days that there would be violence uh, and it would be widespread. It would be likened unto the days of Noah. And one of the things that marked that particular era of time was that there was violence upon the face of the earth. And we're seeing this increasingly right here on our back, in our back door, right? Think about that. Could God forewarn us any more than what he already has? So, I mean, we need to be ready. We shouldn't be caught napping. And so anyway, we don't have to be there, is what is being suggested here. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So basically, what Jesus is forewarning us. He's forewarning the church. Notice what he says here. He says, keep your garment. Now, he's using an analogy here. And isn't it interesting, like in a couple of different portions of Scripture, like for, for example, in the book of Colossians. In the book of Colossians, in chapter 3, we have what I refer to as a text in comparison. The wardrobe of the old man, and now the wardrobe of the new man. And we are to put on Christ. And these are the garments that adorn the new man and the new woman created in Christ Jesus. And so in Colossians chapter 3, in verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, and that's who you are, holy and beloved, that's the way that we are to live our lives, holy, put on tender mercies. This is a part of the wardrobe that we as Christians should put on. These are, this, by the way, is a great list of virtues to work on in your Christian experience. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Verse 14, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. And then finally, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Like for example, you're being exhorted, you're being taught, you're being encouraged, you're being warned in the word of God. You know, let God's Word have its effect upon you. You know, motivate you towards holiness. Working on this list of virtues. That's that's what Paul is suggesting here. He goes on, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms. Building one another up in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So in other words, keep ourselves unspotted from defilement, and from the Satan-inspired activities of the last days. And listen, there are many. You know, think about all of the allures, all of the attractions, by the way, are all satanically energized. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. It's a lot harder to be a Christian today than it has been in some of the past generations. There's more opportunities to sin than ever before. Isn't there? 
And we're being pulled in all kinds of directions. We're seeing all of the people around us participate in all of these ungodly things. And, you know, we, and let's be honest, we wonder about these things. You know, we are a people who are looking for fulfillment and satisfaction, but don't look for fulfillment and satisfaction in all of the wrong places. Don't listen to the many voices that are out there telling you, this is where it's at. All of those things that are a part of the allurements and the attractions of our present world are satanically energized. And that's why we feel such a tug and a pull towards these things. You know? We need to be careful about such things. But listen, God is gracious, God is merciful, and warning us about what lies ahead. Okay, now, let's go to the final, the seventh bold judgment being poured out. The remainder of our text, verses 17 through 21. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice, there's that loud or great voice again, came out of the temple of heaven, uh, saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. So the result of this earthquake, there are great changes in the earth's surface. I've heard me probably share this example or this illustration with you before. My wife and I, my family, used to live up in Anchorage, Alaska, where we, where actually we, where we came to know Christ. And then uh, later on, we moved back to Anchorage and we planted the Calvary Chapel up there, the first Calvary Chapel. And uh, uh, on one occasion, Anchorage got hit with a 7.3 earthquake on the Richter scale. And man, let me tell you something, that city rocked. And the streets opened up, and I, I was like totally freaked out. My first response was, back then, you know, I was a new Christian and, and I had heard about the rapture of the church. And so I was just always waiting. I, I thought that the Lord was going to come back, you know, at any time. And I was living in relationship to that truth. So I would, I, you know, I'm, I was from the East Coast. Never experienced ever in my life an earthquake before. And to be a part of a 7.3 on the Richter scale was like totally new to me. And so I thought, my first response was, Jesus is coming back, right? But man, I I couldn't believe it. 7.3, and just rocked the city. I mean, the buildings, and we happened to be, we were on a a weekend pass. We were, my wife and I, this was before we planted the church, but we were already Christians, and uh, we were working for a social agency. It was a live-in situation. This is before we had any children. And so uh, we lived there throughout the week. And on weekends, when, we're, when we had weekends off, we used to take some time out. We used to check into a hotel, which was good for our, for our marriage. You know, it was good for our heads because all week we were with these uh, juvenile delinquent kids whom we loved, and, and we thank God for the opportunity to be able to minister to them. We had just become Christians. But, you know, we were just newlyweds, and so we, we needed to work on our marriage relationship. So whenever we had the opportunity, we would check into a hotel for the weekend. And uh, we, were, we were in the downtown Hilton in Anchorage. And I'll never forget this. We were on the 17th floor of this building. I happened to be in the shower. And uh, Diane had just taken a shower. And so she was getting ready. We were going to go out and have dinner. And all of a sudden, when the earthquake hit, I'm naked in the shower, by the way. 
and all of the lights went off. I don't know if I needed to throw that in. Not a pretty picture, right? But anyway, the lights went out in the hotel, and all of a sudden the hotel began to sway. And Anchorage was prepared for the, the, the planners, the city planners uh, obviously knew that they were, uh, that the city was actually built on the Andreas fault line. Uh, so they made preparation for that in building their high rises. So they, they built them what, what they call these sway bars. So that when the earthquakes uh, hit, the buildings would actually sway. And, uh, you know, rather than just crumble. And so anyway, I'm on the 17th floor, lights out, completely naked, in the shower, and all of a sudden the building begins to sway. I come running out of the shower. My first impression again was Jesus is coming back, right? But then I realized that it was an earthquake. I put a towel around me, ran out into the hall with my wife, okay? And, uh, and listen, you can't, if you've ever been in a major earthquake, how many of you have ever been in a major earthquake before? So you know what I'm talking about. This, that earthquake is, was nothing in comparison to what we're reading about here in verse 18. That this earthquake causes great changes in the earth's surface. Let's read on. Notice it says, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. We can only imagine what it was, you know, on the Richter scale. Now, the result of this earthquake, now the great city, and I think that this is a reference to Babylon, the seat of the Antichrist, was divided into three parts, the result of this earthquake. And then also, worldwide, the cities of the nations fell. So that would probably have included New York, L.A., London, and Tokyo, the major cities of the, of the world. And great Babylon was remembered before God. And by the way, when we move into the next two chapters, we're going to talk about Babylon, the great city, the religious system Babylon as well, the great commercial Babylon. We'll talk about that in uh, our future uh, studies. And great Babylon, verse 19, was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away. In other words, every uh, every island, that would include, like, for example, the Aleutian chain up in Alaska, uh, the Hawaiian Islands, Maui, Hilo, Oahu, Kauai, Lanai. I'm familiar with those islands because we used to live there. Each one of the islands moved from its very and actual geographical location. They were no longer found at that same geographical location that they once were. And notice also, and the mountains were not found. Every mountain that exists upon the face of the earth crumbles. The result of this earthquake. Could you imagine this? In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long. We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of Revelation. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. 
You can listen online at oneplace.com by searching for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Venizio. Viewing our recent services can be an option as well through Vimeo. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You can reserve your seat and get directions at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you have any questions for us, just give us a call at 212-247-1877. We'd be honored to pray for you too, so feel free to let us know how we can do that for you. That number again is 212-247-1877. Would you like to connect with us on social media? You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just follow the links at harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House. There's a place for